Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, if I had my own welcome to that that Andy gave earlier, especially for any visitors, my name is Jonathan G. I'm the vicar here. And I've got two things. I've got a bag with various things inside for people who are curious, which illustrate my talk. And I could go for about an hour with what's in here. And I've got a sore throat and a glass of, and a hot Ribena, and I can go for about 10 minutes. So, so let's pray that the 10 minutes that the Lord wants to come out, come out, and not the other ones. Okay, let's pray that. We pray that together. Lord, how we thank you for your words, the Bible, that is all of those things we've sung about, and so much more. Thank you for those who wrote it down and translated it, for those who gave their lives for it to be in English for us to have. And we pray by your Spirit you would put within us a greater desire to know your word and hear you speak to us. So as I speak today, we pray you'll speak to us and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got various bits of the Bible to read and the first one with St Paul's Church is a bit of St Paul's letter to Timothy, his second letter to Timothy, just a few verses, 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 14 to 17. And I could imagine St. Paul saying this to us today if he was around. As for you, continue in what you've learnt and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I particularly want to put up verse 16 again that we've read there, which says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. So what this means is that the words that are written down here have been breathed out by God. He worked through all the different people who wrote it down, over 40 different people in three languages over about a 1,000 years, and God so worked through their personalities and their characters and their illustrations that it has an extraordinary unity, that it, it says what he wants to say. So the first point I want to make this morning is that what we have in front of us here, the Bible, is incredibly precious. It's precious. I'll think about that for a moment. And it's useful. How many of you watched the king's coronation? How many of you can remember how long ago that was? May? I think it was May. Yeah, right. So five, six months ago. He was given all sorts of things, wasn't he? Uh, Crown and scepter and orb. But he was given a copy of the Bible. And when he was given a copy of the Bible... Uh, these words were said, this is the most precious thing this world affords. Here are the lively oracles of God. In other words, because God has spoken, and it's his word, that is more precious than any amount of gold or riches. Uh, I remember around the time Julius and I got married, about 35 years, 34, 35 years ago, when the Iron Curtain came down. The people in Eastern Europe were so hungry for God's word. Some people had smuggled Bibles across. It was banned in Russia and other countries. And they were desperate to get their hands on it. And a Russian poet came over 
to our country called Irina Ratichinskaya. And she noticed that in every hotel room was a Bible, but most of them were new and unused. And she said, we Russians would steal it. You in England ignore it. Which is worse? Now, one is a crime, that's stealing it, but one is a sin, that's ignoring something that is precious. So I've got, who wants to come and help me find a precious thing in my bag? Anybody interested at all? Right, come up here then. Come and have a look in my bag. There's a few things. Can you see a box like it's got a precious thing in it? That, yes, okay. There it is. So here is a box with a precious jewel in it. Thank you very much. In here, we have Juliet's engagement ring. So it's in her box, not on her finger. It'll go back on her finger in a minute. It's, um, we've got a photo of this as well for you. So I took a photo of the ring in the box just a bit earlier today. There it is. It's actually not the first engagement ring. Sadly, that got lost, uh, the one that I gave her 35 years ago. So this was a bit of an upgrade for our 30th wedding anniversary. <laughs> Couldn't have afforded this 35 years ago. Sorry, chaps, if I've given you an idea that, um, that may land you in trouble later. Anyway, this, this was an upgrade. So I'd like to reunite Juliet with her engagement ring. And can we give her a big applause for staying... <coughs> ..for putting up with me 35 years. That is the most precious item we have in our house. It's actually probably more valuable than the car outside our house, which is an old wreck as well. Uh, probably the most precious item we have. Very, very precious. Now, I want to read to you from Psalm 19. These are some words about how valuable the Bible is, the Word of God. The law of the Lord, that's the word, is perfect, refreshes our soul. The statutes, that's the Word of the Lord, are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. The precepts, that's another word for God's Word, of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. Oh, we've lost a bit of Psalm 19. There we are. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Here we go. This is why I've chosen this. They're more precious than gold. So that engagement ring's made of gold with a sapphire in the middle. But what we hold in the Scriptures is more precious. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. They warn us against going off track. And when we keep them, there's great reward. Who wants to come and see if they can find the, the bit of honey in my bag? Come on, then. Let's have the brother. Here we go. Can you find it? Can you find, look in there and see what, what looks like a jar of honey? Well done. We're choosing well. Here we go. So here's something really... Honey so sweet. Can you imagine 3,000 years ago, around the time that psalm was written, you couldn't just have chocolate in your fridge in the summer or there on the shelf. Something sweet would be honey from a honeycomb, perhaps the sweetest thing they could think of tasting. Couldn't just buy it from a jar from wherever this has come from. Can't quite see. Um, but it's sweet. It's precious. So my, my first point this morning is that what we have in front of us is precious. Uh, people in this country were killed for translating the Bible into English. Some of the authorities didn't want people to be able to read it in their own languages. Just like uh, in Eastern Europe, the Bible was banned and people were really hungry for it. It's incredibly precious. 
Uh, some of you, well, all of you will know that we have lots of mission partners. One of our mission partners, Teresa, works out in the Ninigo Islands off Papua New Guinea. And she was involved in translating the Bible into their own language. And I only thought of this this morning when I was talking with Andrew Rolls at the, at the beginning. We should have got some video of this when Lars and Jono's here. So there's Jono. Ask Jono about this afterwards. They flew out to the Ninigo Islands with the first Bibles in their own language. And if I'm right, I'm just looking at Jono to back me up. Well, Jono, come up front. Come up. You weren't expecting this. You weren't expecting this. Just tell us what their reaction was when they got the Bible in their own language. It was absolutely amazing. It was, uh, it was such a big event for the people in the Ninigo Islands. And all these people who'd supported, including St. Paul's, over many years, and Teresa's sacrificial years and years of working to, to uh, translate the Bible... And we were, in, we were uh, they'd built um, a little village for us to see it. And, uh, and then the, um, uh, Teresa arrived with the Bibles, and it was such an amazing uh, celebration for them. So we had three days of celebrations uh, for this happening. Now, so ask precious. John about that more afterwards. Let's give him a round of applause. He's just back from holiday. He, he wasn't expecting that, but... Now, I've got something in here. Who wants to come and f someone else find out? No, we've had both. Come on, then. Yes. Come on. Here we go. I've got... The, can you see this big thing here? Can you read that? What does that say? Holy Bible. Holy Bible. What do you think's in it? Bible stuff, probably. You're probably right. I mean, this is, some, this is an old friend um, to many, but it, some of you this will be new for... And so that you can all see it, I'll point it at this camera. Is that right? So some people, when they pick up a Bible or look at one, they think, why do I want that? I bet there's absolutely nothing in it. It's just nothing in it. Can we get that camera on? Oh, that's right. This is for those, on, this is for those watching online so they can see what's going on. We've got that camera. Other people know, well, no, there must be something in it. The Bible is the best-selling book every year. Uh, across the world. If it was on bestseller lists, it would top the charts every week, every year, hands down, always. People, there must be something. So some people think, well, it's full of old things. It's a bit like it's in black and white, like that. But what happens when we come to God and say, will you speak to me through your word? And God puts his Holy Spirit in us, is that he speaks through us to the Bible and it lights up. It's like it's all in colour. Like that, isn't that? I wish I had a picture of your face as that happened. Isn't that? Isn't, now, some people, they've seen this before, but it's, I'll just do it again. So you're like, some people think there's nothing in it, right? but some people know it's full of old stories. But when the Holy Spirit comes on us, it's like it's all in marvellous colour. I think whoever designed this deserves a round of applause. So that's... So it's precious, very, very precious. Let me read to you from another psalm, from Psalm 1, about someone who loved God's word. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law. His law is his word, the Bible, day and night. 
Let's keep going. There's a few more verses there. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So I've got some pictures of some trees for you here. I'm working our tech team very hard at the back. Uh, This is like a tree planted by a river. So we've got some photos coming up. Martin's having to switch between the PowerPoint and the other bits. So if you imagine a tree by a river, there'll be lots of water there to nourish its roots. There we go. There's a tree by the river. Now, when things dry up, you can see the land around there is all dry and the rain stops. Even then, there'll be some moisture deep down. And what the person who wrote Psalm 1 is saying is that when we meditate on God's word every day, our roots go deep down to find nourishment from God that will sustain us when everything's dry around and difficult and in the good days. And getting our roots down, you don't normally see the roots of trees, but we've got some roots. That's what tree roots look like. They, they go a long way down. We've got another picture, or this one's more of a graphic. They're usually as big as the tree itself. Now, when we look around at each other, we can't see what each other's roots are like. But you know that when someone's going through difficult days and is staying trusting the Lord and at peace, their roots are deep. They're drawing nourishment in dry days. And the the tip from Psalm 1 is to get your roots down into God's Word, to read it every day and to learn it so it becomes part of you because it will nourish you for life. So... If we can put back Psalm 1 again, please, Martin, if we can go back to that. Um, Most preachers do their own PowerPoints, and it's all slick, but I've come and given half a dozen things to our poor tech team, and they have to switch between. Can we show them applause and appreciation for... for, We love our tech team. This bottom line, their delight is in the law of the Lord. They meditate on his law day and night. Now, various people say to me they don't know how to meditate. And I always say, do you know how to worry? And I've never yet met anybody who doesn't know how to worry. Worrying is meditating on the bad things that might happen. What you have to do is do the same thing in your brain, but with the good things in the Bible. You turn it over, you learn it, you think about it till it becomes part of you. Or there's a, um, the word meditate is used of a lion meditating his prey, chewing on it till it becomes part of them. I've never been that close to a lion meditating his prey, but we did have a Labrador called Dudley for 13 years, and I was quite close to him when he ate his bones. And if I gave him a bone, uh, he would take it away and meditate his bone. He would chew on it. It would take him out. If I came near him to take it away from me, he would growl at me. So the, we're to read the scriptures. Instead of, if you can worry, you know how to meditate. You do that with the Bible. Or a bit like a dog with a bone. You get some time on your own, away from everybody else. You just chew on it and learn it. It's precious. I could go on about that for ages, but let's come to the second half. It's also useful. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, God's word is precious because it's breathed out by God. He speaks to us. And it's useful for a whole load of things. Teaching us. God's way, rebuking us when we go wrong, correcting us, training us in right living, righteousness. So we, we want to serve God, may be thoroughly equipped for everything he calls us to do. And throughout the Bible, I think we'll put the pictures up, Martin, rather than the verses. 
the Bible is described as like food. It's like milk that feeds babies. When babies start off, they need milk. But it's also described as like meat, solid food for those. That looks good, doesn't it? For, um, now, there's, milk, there's easy bits in the Bible. There's stuff, stuff that takes a little bit more cutting and chewing and digesting. But it's good. It's like honey, we saw, that's sweet to our taste. It's like a light to guide us. Who wants to come and have a look in my bag for something, see if they can find a light? Who hasn't come yet? There we go. Come on, then. Who have we got there? We've got Harry over there. Come and find, come and see if you can find a light. We've got a verse for this one, perhaps, rather than the picture, Martin. Psalm 119, verse 105. Can you find a light in there? Do you want to see if you can make it work? How are you going to do that? And what about the other way? What if you twist it the other way? There you go. I last used that and new wine. So it's, it helps me find my way in the night time. There we go. Round of applause for Harry, who can find a light and make it work. So again, in the Psalms, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on our path. God shows us different things. It's not a searchlight that shows us the next 10 years, but always when we come to God saying, help, what do I need to know? He tells us what we need to know, sometimes through other people showing us from the scriptures, sometimes from us. Uh, the Bible's described like a whole load of tools we need. Who wants to come and see if they can find any tools in my bag? Come on then, who have we got? I can't see which one of you it is. Come on. And uh, I've got a couple of things in here, so we need someone else as well. Who else wants to come and have a look in my bag? Is that Andre at the back? Come on then, Andre. Come. Can you find something in there that might be useful as a tool? A hammer. Very good. We sang about that, didn't we? Well done. And Andre, we'll let you give him a round of applause. Come on, come on, come on. Now, if I wanted to make a fire, what in there might I find that would help me? Matches. Brilliant. They're finding all the right things in the bag. This is going beautifully. Well done. So this verse that Andy introduced our song with is not my word like fire. It fire warms, but it also destroys what's impure. It purifies gold and it destroys dross. And God's word will do that in us. Is it not like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Sometimes we're just too proud and God's word can break through that soften us up. Uh, there's things that God can do through his word that no amount of us talking will do. So it's like a hammer and a fire. It's like a torch. Um, what else have we got in here? I've got some examples of Bibles. Um, we've got a picture, another picture. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 said God's word is like a sword. That was in our song, wasn't it? We saw, the, saw our action crew. Great actions, Rachel, by the way, making them up as you went along. It's like a sword. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of the Lord is living and active, like a two-edged sword. It can pierce right through to what we need to hear. Sometimes that's really uncomfortable. Sometimes it's really sharp and just so helpful. And it also says that as we, in John 15, it says that when we live in God and his words live in us, when we've meditated on them and learnt them and chewed them, they become part of our life, we grow fruit. So we've got some grapes, I think. Have we got some, we got some grapes? There we are, lovely grapes. that come. They take a while to grow. But as we let God's word shape us 
and develop our thinking and as it convicts us of what's wrong and we repent as it points in the right way, so we start to grow to be more like Jesus and help other people to become more like him and we grow. Uh, I need to come into land. My voice has lasted longer than I thought, so thank you for praying. The key thing is we need to be reading it. The world around us is increasingly not going God's way and is at us seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And if we only engage with this once a week for an hour on a Sunday, it won't be enough. We'll be shaped by the world around us. We need to be reading it, meditating on it every day. I'm just looking at Chris. I'm not going to make Chris. Oh, actually, Chris, come out, come out, Chris. I've got Jono out. Chris became a Christian how many years ago? 15 years ago? 15, this is Chris. And I said, Chris, the key thing you need to do is to read the Bible. Do you remember that? I do, a long time ago. And what did you say about your reading? I said, I don't like reading. I find reading quite boring. I do reading for work, and I found, you know, reading to be a bit of a chore. You're an engineer. Yeah, I like reading technical manuals. Yeah, but so um, there are some technical things in the Bible. So we had a chat, and I said, how long is your commute? Yeah, at that time I was doing about an hour and a half commute each way, so probably two or three hours in the car a day. So we got you the Bible on CD. That's correct, yeah. And what did you do? Well, I listened to it every day. My driving got worse because I was listening to the Bible, but uh, my spirituality got alive. better. Yeah, I was still alive. <laughs> no, nobody died. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was great because I just sort of you know, put it on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, sort of, you have to keep listening to the same bit again and again because sometimes you get distracted. But, you know, you when you're driving, it, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, and you yeah. described it like a colander, I think, with water going through it. You know, if you keep washing it through, eventually it goes in and it cleans you and that stuff like that. And it's true, very true. Fantastic. So this fine Christian man, shaped by God's word all that time, give him a round of applause. <laughs> This is a dangerous talk, isn't it? You never know who I'm going to pick on. They weren't in the notes. They're just both in the third row where they think they're safe. Now, I've got some examples. I've got one I can't give you. When I was growing up, this didn't exist, the toddler's Bible. We had children's Bible. I got one when I was seven, and I was really excited. But when our Thomas was about three, so that's 30 years ago or so, we found the toddler's Bible that looked like Daddy's Bible. So he saw me reading mine, and we got this film. Now, there's loads of things like this for you children out there to get your own copy uh, and give your children. The great thing about this is while the stories are not very long, it makes point this is one story. It's God's story. There's wonderful resources out there. Uh, I've got here... Uh, we often need people to help us, the technical bits. Um, Tom Wright has written this brilliant commentary series on the whole New Testament... And I've got here, for anyone who would like to read Acts with some helpful commentary, you get a passage of the Bible and a couple of pages to read each day. Or I've, who, who would like Tom Wright on Acts to read that? I'm looking. There we go. Here we go. Tom Wright on Acts. The only deal is that from time to time people are going to ask you how you got on with that because they've all seen you receive it. Okay, so... <laughs> There we go. So ask Liani how she's got on with Acts. Who would like... To, now, Hebrews is quite difficult. That needs some help. Who would like some help with Hebrews? You would. Very good. Here we go. That is all yours. It will take you a while to get through, but it will get the Bible. One more. Um, I've got Tom Wright's commentary on Revelation. Now, there's some really difficult bits in there. Who would like to read Revelation... Go on, Liz Lewis at the back. Come and get it, Liz. I spot you at the back, hiding at the back. Uh, so these people who've got these, everybody, just remember, ask them how they're getting on with it. Okay, so they have, they have, if you ask for a book, you have to read it. That's, um, 
That's those. Now, there are lots of resources online as well. I asked Martin to find some Bible apps. So the U version of the Bible is a free version of the Bible, the U version, Y-O-U. Um, you can get, and it, you've got all the translations there. You've got all sorts of reading patterns. The new version of the Bible, you can download Bible on your phone in every translation because no English quite, no one, one translation quite captures all the nuance of the Hebrew or the Greek. So that's really good. Um, the Bible in one year, we recommend as well. Nikki, who's done the Bible in one year with Nikki Gumbel? Quite a lot of you. I've done this about four times over the last 10 years, found it really helpful. You can start any time you like, but it's designed to go January the 1st all the way through. So maybe you just want to think, heading for the new year, those of you who are old, it will come quite soon. I know children think it's miles away, but just planning, what, what, what pattern am I going to use? Uh, so how many of you use Lectio 365? This is Pete Gregg's. Te- this is just 10 minutes each morning with a little bit of the Bible, but he really helps you chew on it like the dog on his bone. He goes around and says, just a verse or two, but to chew on it. Recommend those. Um, there's all sorts of different ways to do it. The key thing is that we read it, and let me finish with this, that we actually obey it. Jesus told the parable of the, how, the two builders, the wise man and the fool. Can we put up Matthew 7? Have we got that? Um, Matthew chapter 7. There we are. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine, or who reads them, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, but it didn't fall because it had foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, reads them, hears them, and does not put them into practice is like a fool, like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Some of you are singing that song in your head right now. Uh, The key thing is to read it and to put it into practice. And for that, we need help from others joining small groups or prayer triplets. We need each other. Most of all, we need the Holy Spirit to light it up. Uh, We're going to pray and then we're going to sing. So perhaps the band would come back and let me lead. Why don't you stand? You've been sitting very patiently. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you that you have spoken to us supremely through Jesus, but given us the scriptures that point to him and that tell us about him. Thank you that they are your word. Thank you that what the Bible says you say. Thank you that it's so precious. We pray you would forgive us for taking it for granted, for not reading it for ignoring all your provision. And whether we're new Christians and need the milk of your word or slightly more mature and can cope with the meat that's in there, all of us love the honey, the sweet, the good things as you speak to us. And we pray for grace for each one of us, however old or young, to read your word. Thank you that it tells us about the hope we have in Jesus. Thank you that hope is like an anchor for our soul in the storms of life. So give us grace to read it, to learn it, to inwardly digest it so it becomes part of our thinking and who we are. And may we as individuals and this church family stand more and more true on your word in the scriptures 
and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing about that.